of Scripture into your hearing, Exodus chapter 13. I do want to say as you're turning there, I love this church. Uh, we've been missing uh, the last four Sunday mornings covering services in Marion, and, and uh, don't mean this to sound the wrong way, but I'm glad that starting next Sunday, we're going to be home, and I'm very happy about that. God has spoken, God has moved, but there's something about being home. When service is going on there, my mind's here, because this is, this is where God uh, wants us to be, where God has placed us, and so I want you to know I love you. And I, and I can tell you this with all surety, there is no church like this church. Now, if you're from another church, I, don't, I mean no offense by that at whatsoever, but there's no church like CLC. And I'm so happy to, to serve here amongst you. Exodus chapter 13, verse number 17. The word of the Lord says, And it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. He said, I'm not going to take them the easy way. I'm not going to take them the quick way. I'm not going to take them... The, the, the road uh, of less heartache, but I'm going to take them the way that I feel that they need to go lest they return to Egypt. And I want to preach to you for the next few minutes on this subject. I refuse to return to Egypt. I refuse to return to Egypt. Would you put your Bibles down? Would you lift your hands right now? And would you ask God to speak into your life? God, I know that I've heard from you today. God, I know that I have a word for this church. God, and I pray right now under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, God, that your word would go forth and that it would accomplish that for which you have sent it, God. Let it rest on our hearts, God, and give us understanding. Open our ears and let us hear what you say to the church. God, I pray that you would increase our faith and that before we leave this place that there would be a mighty demonstration of your power by the authority of the Word of God. Lord, we claim it in Jesus' name. And everyone shout amen. I want you to turn to four people around you and just look them in the eye and say, I refuse to return to Egypt. I refuse. Israel had been delivered from bondage. They had been brought out from under the oppressive hand of the Egyptians. They had been removed and spared from the idolatry that was in the land of Egypt. And now they are wandering aimlessly, or at least in their own minds, not knowing where they're headed. They have suffered, you must understand, they have suffered over 400 years of what must have felt like abandonment, only to have Moses, who was their knight in shining armor, to lead them into a desert to die. But what they failed to realize, and what they never considered, 
is that while they were in a place of desolation, it looked desolate. There was nothing desirable about the desert. And while they were there, God was preparing them to be a great nation. And He was preparing their land. He was building their homes. And He was building their walls. And He was planting their gardens and taking care of their livestock. And what we often fail to recognize is that, and what we must always remember is though we may not see or understand it, God always has a plan. He always has the right plan, and His plan always works. You see, Egypt in our text, in this story of the children of Israel, Egypt was a place of bondage. The Israelites, Jacob and his 11 sons entered Egypt because there was a famine in Canaan. And at the beginning, they were blessed to be living and surviving in the land of Egypt. Their stay in Egypt, however, was supposed to be temporary. They weren't Egyptians, they were Israelites. They grew from a family group of approximately 70 people to a multitude to a great nation while they were living in the land of Egypt. The the Israelites had been in Egypt for generations, but now they had become so numerous that Pharaoh became fearful of the increase and the might of the Israelites that he feared that one day the Israelites would turn against and defeat the Egyptians. For in Exodus chapter 1 verses 9 and 10 we read, Come on, let us deal wisely with them lest they multiply. And it came to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us, so get them up out of the land. Verse 10, Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, uh, and the name's two cities that I won't even attempt to pronounce their name. Although the children of Israel were mightier, Hear me tonight. They allowed themselves to fall into slavery and into bondage. They were heavily taxed. They they were forced into labor battalions under the supervision of harsh taskmasters. They worked in quarries. They hewn stones and bricks. They built cities. They erected monuments. They constructed roads all under the oppression of the Egyptians. Listen, it wasn't a matter, a matter of the stronger oppressing the weaker. Rather, it was the weaker or being oppressed or the weaker oppressing the stronger because the stronger permitted it to happen. Too long we have allowed the enemy to oppress us into bondage. But my Bible says that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And it's time for someone to stand up in this hour in the midst of your situation. And although the chains may be heavy that have you bound, somebody needs to stand in this place tonight and say enough is enough. My God is stronger than any enemy that could come against me. If God be for me. If God be for me, then who 
could be against me. I've already told you, I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight, but I'm preaching to someone. You've been oppressed way too long. You've lived with those chains of bondage way too long. You've cried at night. You've soaked your pillow with tears, praying over your lost family, praying over your lost loved ones. But I'm here to tell you tonight, God has sent me into this place to tell you that the oppression is about to end. The chains are about to break and to fall off, and you're going to be set free by the power of God. If you believe that tonight, would you clap your hands and shout unto God? Would you give God a mighty praise in the house tonight? You see, the Bible says that the more that the Egyptians afflicted them, the more the Israelites grew and multiplied. Hear me tonight, the affliction or opposition that doesn't kill us, only makes us stronger. And I'm here to serve the devil. Notice, devil, you should have killed me while you had the chance. You should have taken me out when you had the chance. Devil, you should have killed me back in 1994 when I had that 357 pressed to my head and the trigger pulled. You should have taken me out then because what you meant for harm, the Lord turns into good. And what didn't kill me only made me stronger. And I'm here to serve the devil. Notice tonight that I'm here to tell you that what doesn't kill you will only make you stronger. tried to take you out. He tried. He tried to take you out. He afflicted you. He's oppressed you. He tried to make you take your own life. He tried to get you to come on somebody. He tried to get you to go ahead and throw in the towel. He tried to get you to already quit. He already tried to get you in a divorce court. He's already tried to get you by taking everything that you've held dear in your life. But I'm here to serve him notice tonight. Get your hands off my family. Get your hands off my love. Get your hands off my brothers and my sisters. You should have taken us out while you had the chance. He's done everything that he know he's known to do. He's tried to bind you with addictions. He's tried to bind you with depression. He's tried to, to try to kill you with a lack of rest because you couldn't sleep at night and you didn't know what was going to happen and you sure didn't know where you're going to turn. But I'm here to tell you tonight that God's about to turn that situation around. The oppression and the depression by the authority of the Word of God is leaving your life right now.
You see, devil, the more that you afflict me, the stronger I get, and the more that God enlarges my territory. The more the promises of God grow as you try to afflict me. You think that you're, you're going to take me out. You think that I'm, I'm just going to throw in the towel one day and say, I've had enough. I'm throwing in the white towel. I don't want anything else. But you've got me all wrong, devil, because I've got just enough I've got just enough light on me. I'm going to keep pressing. I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep preaching until I see your family saved. I'm going to keep preaching and reaching and praying until I see every backslider that's ever been associated. I'm going to pray until every chain falls off. I'm going to preach until every chain falls off. I'm going to get up here every service from now till Jesus comes. And I'm going to, I'm going to hoop and holler and I'm going to jump and I'm going to dance until the chains fall off. And some of you need to get just that bold in the Holy Ghost and say, I, don't, I know they haven't fallen off yet, but I'm going to worship until they fall. I'm going to praise until they fall. Because what doesn't kill me? Holy Make me stronger. You see, in 94, I just related the story. You may be seated. Some of you know the story. Some of you don't. I was in Bible school, and my cousin and I had found a place to hunt because it's just like what we like to do. And so he comes up to Indiana, and he brings a 357. That was his dad because it was his desire for whatever reason, to take a deer with a pistol. And we are going back to, to IBC, and we shouldn't have had it in the first place, but we're driving, and we're almost there. And he looks at me, he said, Danny, don't, don't let me forget. Please don't let me forget. I, I left that gun loaded. Let me, don't let me forget to, un, to unload it. And I said, sure, bro, whatever. So we get in, we pull into the parking lot, get out of the car, shut the door. He grabs his stuff, and we're walking. And I said, bro, did you unload that gun? He said, oh, man, I'm glad you reminded me. No, I didn't. He said, I'm going to go, go on. I said, I'm going to go on up to the room. And so I go up to the room, and when I walk in the door, the phone's ringing. And my cousin Rich comes in, and he, he places all of his, his stuff down on, on the bed. And, and I'm on the phone, and the door's open. Everybody was in and out of our room. And, and I heard somebody come in, and I heard a, a voice of, a, of, of another guy. And he said, I heard him say, oh, cool. Never gave it a second thought until I heard the cock of a hammer and I felt the gun barrel at my head and I turned and watched as he pulled the trigger. If, if he hadn't unloaded that gun, my eye would have been snuffed out right there. You see, that's the devil. That was the plan that he had for my life. And hear me tonight. You may be out in the world sowing your wild oats and you think, and you think that, 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 that the world has a different plan for you. No, 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 sir. No, ma'am. Let me tell you what the plan that the devil has for you. His plan is to steal, to kill, and destroy you. And if he can find a way to destroy you, he will. But if he cannot, then he will war against your mind. And he will try to get you to take yourself out. But listen, you've got to stand in the midst of adversity. You've got to stand in the midst of problems and in the midst 
face the trials and say, I'm going to live for God. I don't care how bad it gets. I don't care how dark it gets. I'm going to live for God. Live for Him. He has a plan for my life. I'm not going back. I'm not returning to the place that I came from. See, despite Pharaoh's oppression, the Israelites continued to grow in number and in power. But as they became mightier, the oppression became genocide. When in an attempt to reduce the military potential of the Israelites, Pharaoh ordered the killing of all male infants. The Israelites allowed themselves to fall into bondage. Here's what I want to tell you tonight. They were never meant to live in Egypt. They were never supposed to have stayed in Egypt because they were Israelites. They weren't Egyptians. Egypt was only supposed to sustain life for a while. They never, they were never meant to take up permanent residence in the land of Egypt. Listen, pastor has said it before in this pulpit, but I want to say it again. Sin will always take you further than you intended to go. You may be looking to enjoy the pleasures of sin for just a season, but the enemy has a different plan for you, my friend. He wants to bind you with chains of addiction. He wants to bind you with chains of depression. He wants to bind you with chains of oppression. But listen, you don't have to fall prey to that because you're in a place that you were never intended to be. You don't have to identify with the chains that are have, that have you bound because you are a child of God. Oh, somebody help me praise God in the house tonight. Somebody help me praise God in the house tonight. They were Israelites. They were the chosen ones. They didn't identify with the Egyptians. Yet, they allowed Egypt to become their identity. You hear me? They allowed Egypt bondage to become their identity. They expected accepted rather the fact that they were always going to live in bondage. They accepted the fact that life had dealt them a bad hand and it was always going to be this way because this is just who I am. But hear me tonight, we cannot allow sin to define who we are. We cannot allow bondage and oppression to become our identity. I'm not bound by what is oppressing me. I'm not defined by what has me bound. I'm not identified by sin. I'm not identified by infirmity. I'm not identified by depression. I'm not identified, my God, I'm not identified by addiction. I may be in Egypt today, but... But I'm not an Egyptian. 
I may be bound by chains, but they do not define who I am. Listen, just because your dad was an, was an alcoholic doesn't mean that you have to be an alcoholic. Just because your mama was a drug addict doesn't mean that you have to fall prey to that drug addict because it's just what I'm supposed to be. But you need to stand up right in this service tonight and say, no longer And I'm, am I going to identify with Egypt. I am not a, an Egyptian, but I'm a child of the most high God. I know what statistics say. I know what every book of statistics say. That if your mom and dad struggled with this, that you're going to struggle with that. But listen, it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to fall prey to that. You don't have to fall prey to that. I know too many people. I know too many people that are that are standing behind a pulpit somewhere in a, in a church tonight that the mama and their dad were both alcoholics and they were both drug addicts. And by all means, they should have followed same suit. But they are standing in a pulpit tonight and they are preaching the word of the Lord. Then the anointing of God is resting upon them. And I know many of your stories here tonight. I know where you came from. I know what you've been through. And by the grace of God, you are here tonight. And listen, look around you because there are all types of people from all types of backgrounds. And statistics say that they shouldn't even be in this place tonight. But if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, such were some of us. have to fall prey. You don't have to identify yourself with the land of bondage. And the last point that I want to make tonight, and I'm quickly drawn to a close, is that the Israelites had a promise from God. Before they could enter the promised land, the bondage mentality, the doubt, the unbelief, and the fear had to die. They could never possess the promises of God with unbelief, with a bondage mentality, with the fear that had so gripped them after 40 years, after 400 years of bondage, before they could ever walk in the promises of God, that mentality had to die once and for all. It took 40 years wandering in a desert for God to convince them to lay claim to their promise, which was a land that flowed with milk and honey. Hear me tonight, more than six Hundred thousand men, beside women and children, followed Moses as he led the mass exodus out of Egypt. One commentary records 603 
550 men from the ages of 20 and up exited Egypt and headed for the promised land. And after 40 years in the wilderness, after murmurings, after God sustained life, after manna fell every day from heaven, after 40 years when their shoes didn't wear out and their clothes didn't wear out, after 40 years in the wilderness, Joshua and Caleb were the only two adults out of that entire first generation who God even allowed to enter into the promised land. The others died in the desert, still clinging and holding on to their bondage mentality. Unlike Joshua and Caleb, the other Israelites followed the Lord's calling out from bondage. But they did not follow Him into the land that He had promised them. Many followed Him out of the spiritual death of sin. Out of the land of Egypt, but they refused to follow Him into the land of promise. They do not, hear me, many do not follow by faith. Because they refuse to focus on anything other than the wilderness and the desolation and the infirmity and the addiction and the strongholds that have them bound. But by the authority of the Word of God tonight, before we leave this place, God's going to break every chain of addiction. He's going to... My God, He's going to heal infirmities in this place tonight. According to your faith, so be it unto you. If they had only had faith, some 605,548 men would have been able to enter into the promised land. But because of their lack of faith, because of their bondage mentality, they died in a desolate place. They died in the wilderness. Close to the promises of God. Hear me tonight. How many miracles would we see in this place if we would be unified in our faith? What kind of number of healings would take place in this house tonight if we would unify our faith. How many people that have been bound for 5, 10, 15, even 20 years would leave this place completely healed and completely free of bondage if we would unify 
our faith. Quit complaining. Quit murmuring in the wilderness. I know it's hard. I know the chains are heavy. I know it's dark and I know it's hot. But if you would just have faith enough to believe that where God is leading me is into the promises that He has in store for me. He never intended for me to dwell in the land of Egypt. And I'm here serving notice tonight that I refuse to return to the land of bondage. Listen, I was, I'm drawn to a close tonight if the music will come. I was in, I was in service at the LJC camp on Friday night. Something took place that I don't know that I ever, I didn't know that at the time I understood the magnitude of what happened. The Spirit of God was in that place. Prophecies had gone forth. People were getting blessed. People were receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. People were being healed. And I saw a man that sat right in front of where we were every night. About right here and he was in a wheelchair. If you heard the story, forgive me. If you haven't, you need to hear this. And he sat there service after service, worshiping, praising God. But on Friday night, Gentry, one of the devil's worst nightmares. <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> Let's just call it like it is. Went up and he laid hands on that man. He began to pray by the authority of the Word of God. By the power of the name of Jesus, I claim victory, I claim healing. And that man who had been sitting in that wheelchair stood up and he began to worship. He began to, I believe he even danced a little bit. I didn't see it. I heard he began to dance and he began to receive his healing. And, and people all over the place, all over the tabernacle began to worship. And people were, were thanking God for what had taken place. But the sad reality was that once he stopped dancing, once the praise died down, he gathered himself, he turned around, he walked back and sat in that wheelchair. You see, he identified with his infirmity. He thought, that's just my lot in life. I'm going to be relegated to this. I'm always going to be in this thing. I'm always going to be in this shape. God began the healing process. All he had to do was continue to walk by faith. All he had to do was put one foot in front of the other. I, I, I'm sure it wasn't easy. I'm sure it was hard. It may have even been painful. But he had already come that far. He should have just kept walking. But no, he decided that, you know what, that wheelchair right there, that's my identity. I identify with that. I'm comfortable in this. My God, that was Egypt to him. And he turned around and he went back to a place of bondage. He went back to the oppression. 
depression. He went back to the depression. Somebody in this house tonight needs to get enough faith about you that you need to stand up and you need to call out what that bondage is and say, yeah, I may be oppressed. I may be depressed, but that's not my identity. You need to start calling it by its name. And then you need to say, by the authority of the Word of God and by the power of the name of Jesus, this is not who I am. Heart disease has to go. Kidney disease has to go. Addiction has to go by the authority of the Word of God. Listen, 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 listen. Just like Israel's enemies, our enemy is determined to make the land uninhabitable for those whom God has promised it to. Pastor, I'm going to borrow something that you preached quite a while ago when you talked about when they entered the promised land they had to first dispossess the land. Listen, before the Israelites could ever possess the land, they had to first drive out those who were inhabiting the land that didn't belong to them. It'd be like coming home from vacation for two weeks and find someone living in your house. It'd be like the three little bears come in and finding Goldilocks asleep on the cat on the bed. What are you doing here? Well, I, I I saw that you weren't home, and I needed a place to stay, so I just decided I'd stay the night, brother Brandon. I, I just decided I'd stay the night here, and I, I woke up in the morning, and you weren't here still, so I decided to stay one more day. And the next day, you weren't here, so I just decided that I would stay in this place and I would claim it for my own. Listen, your name is not on the mortgage. Your name is nowhere on the land deed. You have no right to be in my house. This place doesn't belong to you. There's not room, infirmity, for you and me both to dwell in this body. There's not enough room for depression to war against my mind. This is not your house. You have to leave now. Who in this place tonight has faith enough to step out and to evict the person or the circumstance that is inhabiting your promise? I'm not living 
I'm not cohabiting with sickness. I'm not living. I'm not cohabiting with addictions. I'm not living. I'm not cohabiting with depression. I'm not living with fear. Call it by its name and tell it there's no room for the both of us. And guess what, devil? I'm not leaving. Today, I'm claiming my promise. Today, I'm claiming my healing. Today, I'm claiming salvation for my family. Today, I'm claiming that I shall be free from the bondage that the enemy is trying to oppress me with. tonight depression by the authority of the word of God you must leave stress by the authority of the word of God you have to leave the Holy Ghost is moving in this house and if you leave here the same person that you arrived as then it's your fault according unto your faith so be it unto you break every chain 